Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to this week's interview with High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersisGrown.com. This week's interview, we have Professor Mike Barnes, who is a consultant neurologist and expert cannabis physician and a clinical lead of Project 21. Uh, this guy's from the UK, you can tell by his accent, of course, and he's been in this game for a long time, and he's not a cannabis user or a cannabis grower, but he's been in the fight for the legislation of cannabis in the UK for a long time, and we do owe a lot to this guy. So thanks for all the work he has done in the past and thanks for all the work he's going to do in the future because he's always fighting the battle for legal cannabis here in the uk and trying to get more doctors to prescribe it as a medicine as well he's a good guy and he's in the fighter for the right reasons so you're going to enjoy this interview there's a lot lots of uh, cool information in here lots of information for those in the uk who want to get cannabis for prescription as well so if that's something you're interested in, wait until the end of the interview here and Professor Barnes will explain what you need to do to get signed up. So you'll enjoy this. So uh, I hope you enjoy it anyway. But for now, I'll leave you with the interview and I'll speak to you at the end of this. So catch you in a bit. Good afternoon, Professor. Hi, it's Mike here. Hello. Hi, Mike. Thank you very much for joining us. Not at all. Uh, Nice. Sorry, I just uh, quickly introduce ourselves so you know who you're talking to behind these pictures. And we have the avatars because yeah. obviously we're uh, cannabis users and cannabis growers here in, I'm in the UK and it's illegal right. here, so we have to stay hidden. Yeah, so, and uh, I'm in the US and in a non-legal area myself, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, so, anyway, nice to meet you both. Yes, it were. So thank you very much for joining us. So, uh, I mean, do you want to introduce yeah. yourself to the audience while you're here? Yeah, are we? Um, I'm Mike Barnes and I'm a neurologist by background, and I've been working in the cannabis space for about 20 years now. Wow. Started off life um, helping GW Pharma develop Sativex, which turned out to be the first licensed cannabis medicine for spasticity multiple sclerosis, uh, which was my area at the time when I worked in the university and in the the NHS. then I asked to do a report for government in 2016, I think it was, the all-party parliamentary group on drug policy. Mm-hmm. Um, then worked with uh, Hannah Deacon to get the first ever license for her son, Alfie Dingley. That nice. was 2000 and, uh, summer 2018. And I think not solely as a result of that campaign, but it, it certainly helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helped to change the law in November 18. And I've been working really full-time in the cannabis since then, setting up the Medical Cannabis Clinicians Society and more recently the Cannabis Industry Council and running a sort of consultancy business with, with Hannah still, um, Alfie's awesome. mum. So sorry, that was, I don't know if that was long or short, but that was... Uh, no, that was fine. That's, 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 that's me in a nutshell. There you go. Yeah, we've had <laughs> Hannah on the show a couple of times, man. She's a good lady. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Good, good. Well, we've spoken to a lot of the mums who have been trying to get the medicine for their kids in the UK. Yeah. No, it's... Um, it's a great cause and it's a great shame when the government changed the law three and a half years ago. They didn't follow it up with the, the ways to enact the law change. Mm-hmm. We're still struggling and only three children now prescribed on the National Health Service, which is pretty disgraceful. Yeah, really. it's disgusting. There's plenty yeah. of children out there suffering. There are. I meant to be, I think Hannah might have given you a number. I think it's around 28,000. Wow. Children wow. who are, have drug-resistant epilepsy. And I'm not, not going to say all of those will benefit from cannabis. But at least um, most, the majority of those should at least try it and see if it helps them. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there is such a such difficulty for these people to get hold of cannabis? Uh, I think that's a, that's a long answer. Mm-hmm. First, I think to get it legally, of course, that I'm talking about at the moment, is you need to persuade a doctor to prescribe it for you. And at the moment with the law, we're trying to lobby to change this, but that has to be a consultant specialist, not your GP. Um, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, then they've got the specialists who don't really never been trained in cannabis medicine at all. They know nothing about it. Um, and that's a fair point. I wouldn't want a doctor to prescribe something, anything for me that I didn't know anything about it. Um, so training is an issue. Knowledge and experience is an issue because it's not taught in medical schools or postgraduates at all. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's the stigma still associated with it. Um, and to be honest, just blind ignorance and prejudice from some of the hierarchy medical bodies like the British Pediatric Neurology Association that are just in, implacably against cannabis, mm. um, which is a shame. I would, I would have thought doctors are there to provide what is best for their patient. Mm -hmm. um, and it's no doubt that if you've tried keeping on the example of the children with epilepsy, if they've tried all or most um, licensed anticonvulsant drugs, there's nothing else to offer them. And they say, there's nothing else we can do for you. Why, uh, why on earth don't they say, well, try cannabis. And there's a 96% chance of improving seizures on cannabis. It's incredible the numbers we've heard from yeah. from ladies like Hannah, who's said uh, yeah. Alfie yes. has had a massive reduction in the amount of seizures from hundreds a week down to maybe one short seizure, seizure every week instead. Alfie has had no, no seizures for two years now, having had something in the order of 150 to 200 a month previously. A lot of the children have had great results. It doesn't mm -hmm. suit everybody. I mean, you wouldn't expect the medicine to be a cure-all for everybody. Mm -hmm. But... Um, you know, if we can help, it's about 80% of children who take it reduce their seizures by at least half, and 96% oh. reduce their seizures to an extent. So that's remarkable, considering yeah, licensed medicines have done nothing. Um, it's extraordinary. And side of, and if, okay, that would be great, but if side effects limited it, that would be not good. But side effects mm -hmm. don't limit it. The side effects of cannabis medically um, prescribed to the right people are is virtually none. There's a a recent study by Drug Science on a program called the 2021 program that has shown that just only only three, just over three percent of people using cannabis for any reason, not children with epilepsy, any reason, have side effects. So 97 percent broadly do not. Mm -hmm. and those and those side effects, those three percent are relatively mild. Mm -hmm. Again, not in everybody, but you know that's a remarkable statistic, really. So and mild side effects and mild side effects and yeah it's very effective so yeah what's the downside why aren't why aren't well, they doing it more i, I can't understand I, I can't and i generally do not understand why some of the medics the medical bodies are so against it i understand it if they say well I, I, this might be interesting but i don't know what to do i mm -hmm. think that's reasonable then we can train them and i do i do a training course every month um we've trained there's now about 110 doctors prescribing in the uk um, awesome. So I can understand ignorance and wanting to put it right. What I don't understand is just blind prejudice. I just, I just don't get it. If you've tried everything there is to try and nothing's working for chronic pain or chronic anxiety or chronic epilepsy, why on earth don't you want to try cannabis that might help? Mm -hmm. Simple as that. I don't, I don't get it. I like that attitude. Yeah, you mentioned earlier as well, I mean, we spoke about the epilepsy thing there, but you said that it, you started off studying multiple sclerosis and cannabis? Yeah, I used to run uh, what's called a spasticity clinic. That's, as you, uh, some of the viewers might know, after any brain damage or, or spinal damage, like a brain injury or a stroke or multiple sclerosis or motor neuron disease, any damage to the brain, you can get what's called spasticity as a result, which is a real muscle spasm in the arm or the leg, which can be really painful and really disabling. It can stop people walking. Um, it can stop them using their hands and arms. So it's a real, real problem. And there are licensed drugs that can be tried. They're not brilliant because they can make you weak. Um, there's botulinum, Botox, dear old Botox. We hear about it for the film stars, but actually it started off life as a very useful treatment for spasticity. You inject it in the muscle and it relaxes the muscle. Um, so there are treatments, but um, cannabis, um, a combination of THC and CBD usually is really helpful for spasticity as, as well. So that's how I started life through my research on spasticity. Hmm. So this is what got you started with, uh, dealing with so cannabis? I started with cannabis. I didn't start my life treating cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Started my research life, yes. With, I mean, it started up in primary school. Started in <laughs> primary school. I was there, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're in the cannabis leaves and all, yeah, I got it. <laughs> so were you, in a, were you at medical school or something and you came across uh, what, because obviously you know yourself that a lot of doctors don't know much about cannabis. What was it that got you involved um, in it in the first place? Well, it was really, I think, listening to the, I used to deal with multiple sclerosis people, as I just said, and they used to come to the clinic. This goes back 20 years now. And they were, those who talked to me, and most were told me that they were using cannabis and it was helpful for their pain or their anxiety or their sleep or their appetite. Mm 
Mm. Um, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Up to that point, I had no experience of that at all. Mm. So I asked in, informally, I asked everyone who came to the clinic, which was only about 60, 64, I think, people with multiple sclerosis. And I was surprised that about half of them are actually admitted using cannabis and found it helpful. And I thought, well, if half of these people, and of course, they were criminalizing themselves at the time and mm. severely disabled people, it wasn't necessarily easy to get. Um, they had to perhaps rely on others to get it for them, that sort of thing. Well, there must be something to this if half of the people coming to this clinic are using it. And by, by pure chance, then GW Pharma approached me saying, we, we want to develop cannabis medicine for spasticity and you're in this field, will you help us? So that was a bit, um, that was um, really fortuitous, that link. But that, uh, that started me off looking at it and realizing there was, was medical value to this. But you know, there was a good decade where nothing much happened after it got Sadifex licensed. Uh, in the UK, we have something called NICE, the National Institute for Clinical Excellence. Um, who they said it, well, it wasn't uh, cost effective, and in fairness, it was expensive, um, and so it wasn't used. So there wasn't much cannabis research done. Well, it was still a Schedule One drug. It was difficult to research it. Um, so there was a sort of after the rush of enthusiasm with GW and Sativix, there wasn't much happening for about ten years, and then yeah. before it all reconvened, as it were, in the mid uh, in 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. And this seems to be a lot down to uh, Hannah Deacon doing her thing. I think I didn't credit to, to Hannah. I think uh, there were others around her and there were other families, but I think uh, most of the law change is down to Hannah, I have to say, and mm-hmm. her persistence for her son and great credit to her. She deserves a great deal of uh, praise for, mm-hmm. for being so persistent. Absolutely. And so good on the media. I mean, it, yep. was, it, took, it was the media pressure that changed the law. It's a shame that we still haven't seen anything change really from 2018 up until now. And of course, we've had the pandemic, which had slowed things yeah, down. Yeah, that, but... that hasn't helped, obviously. Mm-hmm. And now it's quite widely available privately, which I think is sad because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, despite that, there's about 17,000 people now pers- with a, prescri- a legal prescription for cannabis in the UK. Now, that's not many, considering there may be 2 million who would benefit, mm-hmm. if it will take. Uh, it's tiny numbers, but it's a start. Yeah, it's, it's a, a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. It's so sad that it's private, mm-hmm. effectively private, because, you know, it's unaffordable for many. This is my problem with it is just yeah. people don't have access to it. People who who need cannabis in that way are often yeah. are disabled in some way that prevents them from working. So they don't have the money to go into exactly. these private clinics and pay these ridiculous amounts of money. No, I agree with you. And if the government realised this, well, first of all, they should change, they've changed the law anyway. But you can, int- I, I am certain, you can introduce cannabis to the National Health Service at zero net cost. Because a lot of people will stop taking medications that they're on at the moment, mm-hmm. like painkillings, medication, anxiety medication, epilepsy medication. So they'll stop other things like physiotherapy. Uh, some will get back to work, less care costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you put all that, economy together i'm sure you can introduce cannabis which is fundamentally cheap um uh, even making money for the nhs yeah now you know but i can't prove that because strangely there's been no proper health economic study that confirms what i've said that we're trying to raise money to do one now that i hope will confirm that but mm-hmm. you know so it's very short-sighted not introducing it to the nhs because um you know it's not going to cost much if any money at all we have a question here in chat as well. Um, yeah. You're involved with Project 21, right? Yeah. Is this guy, look at me, t- uh, let me look TV, asks, have they set a limit of 30 grams a month? No. Well, first of all, the project doesn't set or dictate anything. It's, it's, uh, it's widely misunderstood, actually. It's an okay. observational study. Um, so people go to a clinic that's part of the project. The clinic has to sign up to be part of the project. It doesn't cost them anything. Um, they can then prescribe anything on the formulary, which is five um, licensed producers who are part of the project, um, which it gives a reasonable choice of product, not not as wide as there is outside the project, but it's it's wide enough. And all the the doctor just prescribes whatever the doctor wants to prescribe after talking to the patient. So it can be 30 grams a month, it can be 40 grams a month, it can be more than that. Um, there's no limit to oil. So they prescribe what they need to prescribe. Mm-hmm. And all drug science C21 does is follow them up every three months 
the patients and the doctors fill in a questionnaire to see how they're doing, what side effects have you got, how much has it helped your pain, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no limit to what can be prescribed. And they've reduced the cost. Um, it's still 50, uh, 150 pounds per prescription. Mm-hmm. And per prescription is usually a month's supply. Um, so that's, the, which is generally cheaper than the, if you're not on the T21 program. Mm-hmm. If you go into the legacy market to buy your cannabis, you're looking about two hundred pound yeah. an ounce for twenty eight grams of cannabis. It's about two hundred pound, two hundred and twenty. The price has gone up a little recently. Yeah, yeah. The figure I'm, ten dollar gram. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The figures you 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 know you can tell me the figures, but I'm I looked recently somewhere, and the av- the average price on private prescription is about seven pound fifty a gram. Oh yeah. Average. Mm-hmm. Now it does vary up to fourteen pounds a gram, down to five pounds a gram. Mm-hmm. The average street price, I'm told at the moment, it varies again, as you know, but I do again hugely, but is around nine pound twenty a gram. Mm-hmm. Is that about the right figure? So no, it's, broadly, it sounds around right. Yeah, yeah. Broadly speaking, the private prescription, even though it's a lot of money and shouldn't be there at all, mm-hmm. uh, is is actually slightly cheaper than the street price. Yeah, and for that, of course, you 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 become legal, as it were, and um, uh, and you can guarantee broadly. I say with a slight caveat, you can pretty you, you can guarantee the quality more than you can on the street. There's some really good quality street mm-hmm. stuff, uh, and there's been problems, as you know, um, in the prescription market as well with some mold issues and such like. So mm-hmm. nobody, nothing's perfect, but generally speaking, you can you know what you're getting on the prescription market i think i mean you mm-hmm. feel free to differ with that but i i think it's it's better yeah and of course the main thing is it's legal you know, you yeah can, mm-hmm. yeah but there's still been lots of cases in the uk especially over the last year and recently at the uh, the 420 events as well where legal yeah. cannabis patients have had their cannabis confiscated from yeah, them by the absolutely. police absolutely i think that's disgraceful mm-hmm. and that i think that's ignorance again by the police i mean those of us working in the industry think, well, everyone should know it's legal. But actually, mm-hmm. a recent survey I was reading um, showed that 60% of the population don't know it's legal. I actually was surprised it was that high. Wow. Uh, so 40% do. So 60% of people, and that's presumably then 60% of policemen. If you go and say, this is legal, you say, you know, oh, come on, mate, of course it's not legal, and well, takes sure. it away from you. Yeah, so it, it, you have like education. a meeting yeah. where the, the, everybody sits yeah. down and like exactly. staff meeting. You know, yeah. you're not allowed to arrest people for cannabis now. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. If people have got, and uh, people should carry their prescription with them mm-hmm. and uh, follow what it says on the prescription, I guess, to be legal. And that's now a medical defense for driving. If you've got a legal product and you're following the prescription instructions, you should, shouldn't be prosecuted for driving with mm. over the limit THC. So the same things applies to just carrying it. So those have been seized. Mm. are just appalling because then you know your pain will come back your anxiety comes and with epilepsy people your epilepsy will come back which could be very serious so indeed the police need educating as well as the general public Mm. it's a shame but i think we'll get there eventually it's just it just takes so long for the information to spread out to everybody it does you know i i try and encourage myself by looking back three and a half years and we've we've moved on in my view, and I'm sure your view is, we haven't moved on quick enough, far enough, uh, but we're moving, and the yeah. world is moving. And there's surprising countries now where it's now legal, like Thailand, which mm. it was it was uh, hopelessly illegal there, wasn't it? Yeah. And now they're even yeah. uh, encouraging people to grow their own by giving them plants. Yeah, giving them exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an astonishing turnaround, isn't it? Yeah. Let alone, you know, as you know, Canada, over half the states, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, over 55 countries now. It's legal medically. So we're getting, we're going to get there. It's just not quite fast enough for my liking. Yeah, we have an interesting question from Firetop here. He says, yeah. I've tried everything to get cannabis on prescription. My doctor and hospital won't talk about it uh, no, with won't. me. Would you suggest any specific routes you could take? Well, that's, sadly, that's a... That's a common tale. The doctor in the in the NHS clinic won't talk about it or is just dismissing of it. So don't be ridiculous. You know, that's not mm-hmm. going to help you. You're being silly. Um, that is common. And, and I'm sorry to say uh, to whoever the questioner was that really the only effective way to get it at the moment is private. That's easy. Ignore the money for a minute. If you just Google Cannabis Clinic UK, there's now 19 active clinics, soon to be 25. Um, with a decent choice of product, 
over 110 doctors prescribing. So getting an appointment with one of those clinics is not difficult. It's all telemedicine. So you don't have to go to London or wherever. You can do it over the computer. Mm. Um, talk to a doctor, fill in a questionnaire, talk to the doctor and get the prescription, which should, it doesn't always work this well, but should come to your door a few days later. Nice. Um, now, customer service isn't brilliant at some of these places. They're all learning. Um, but that is theoretically easy. Then, as I say, as we said, the only downside of all that is you have to pay for it. Yeah. But you have to pay for cannabis anyway. Well, unless you like well, you have, a lot yeah. of our listeners, I mean, the podcast is yeah. called High on Homegrown. And we encourage yeah. a lot of people to grow their own cannabis. It's the best way yeah. to get safe, sane access. But obviously, and not you, everybody yeah. has that, that uh, option. Well, that's right. Not, not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone can do it if they're disabled or a family of yeah. a child. They haven't got the time mm-hmm. to do it. I think there's good advantage to it because you can grow the particular strain or strains that suit you. Mm-hmm. It's a very personalized um, medicine, isn't it? And, yeah. You know, I can see the advantage of that, but it's just not, it's, it's not possible for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's right. Maybe one day. Maybe one but, day. And yeah. you shouldn't have to as well. It's, it's not one of those things which you should have no. to. There should be reasonably easy access to cannabis, especially well, exactly, for medical yeah. users. Yeah. yeah, well, the government changed the law. Presumably, it was the government's view that cannabis should be available to those that need it. And no, it isn't. So the government, although a lot of the fault is with the doctor hierarchy, as I've said, the right. government can do a lot more to make it more easily available. Just two examples mm-hmm. of that is get GPs to prescribe it. Not mm-hmm. just the consultants. GPs can do follow-up prescriptions, but they can't initiate the prescription. And also, then a doctor's got to get permission from a from a peer group of other doctors to prescribe it. So I couldn't I couldn't write a prescription now and give it to you. Um, I'd have to go to get that approved. And there's no other medicine I'm aware of that a doctor makes a decision to prescribe something and has to get it approved by another group mm-hmm. of doctors. Even hardcore so, opioid yeah. opioids don't need so to yeah. do that. Yeah, as a doctor, I could sit here and prescribe. You know, morphine, cocaine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, all sorts of dangerous things. I don't ever get that approved. It's up to me, my responsibility to do that. So I, I think that's another thing that, that, that the government could make it easier to prescribe for those who want to prescribe it. It's, it's crazy about cannabis is how to these high standards when there's so many other drugs that just are not how to those same standards when they should be. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of bad prescription, as we know. Some, particularly opioids, for example, are really far, far more dangerous than cannabis. I mean, mm-hmm. in the States, as you know, in the States, it killed, what, 68,000 people last year in the States, wow. was it? Yeah, it's yes. big opioid it's epidemic. Big, there. big problem. And it's a problem here. Not quite as big as the States, but it's a, still a problem here. Mm, yeah. You can't die from a cannabis overdose, but you can certainly die from an opioid overdose. For sure. Mm-hmm. You get a good night's sleep from a cannabis overdose, you know? Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. That's about all you doesn't. get. Yeah, maybe a hangover in the morning. That's all. Yeah, but you don't wake up dead. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's just the standards which they hold cannabis to is shocking. Like with the driving that you mentioned there, where uh, yeah. you know if you're carrying yes. your prescription, then you won't be held to the same restrictions. Driving under the influence, using finger quotation marks there. Because yeah. it's a difficult thing to tell. I don't think there's any test yet to say, to be able to tell if somebody is impaired while driving under the influence of cannabis or, you know, with cannabis in their systems, because it, it just yeah. matters. It's different for everybody. It is. And the problem with cannabis is that, uh, as, as you know, uh, it's stored in the fat and will come out um, mm-hmm. over several days, if not a week or so. Mm-hmm. So anyone on a prescribed THC product or non-prescribed THC product, for that matter, will be over the driving limit. It will be over the driving limit, full stop. Uh, you can't help it. Um, because the driving limit is so low, but it doesn't mean you're impaired whilst driving. You might be impaired for a few hours, but like any other medicine, the, the law says for most medicines, don't drive whilst impaired. And it's mm-hmm. up to you to, to know that. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't see why cannabis should be different. I mean, don't drive whilst impaired is obvious, but um, let's change the law on the, on the level in the blood because everyone taking cannabis will be over the level in the blood. Mm-hmm. So are you a cannabis user? Have you ever been a cannabis user? No, oddly, considering somebody's been advocating it, I'm sorry to mm-hmm. say, um, I'm not. No, my entire cannabis history would take about 30 seconds. I had half of a joint as a student, which as a student of the 70s is almost disgraceful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a I never was in those circles. I never had a need. I fortunately, touch wood, I've never had a, 
a medical condition that needed treating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I never have done. So it's an odd. Everyone, including the national press, assume I'm some sort of aged stoner, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not actually. So uh, <laughs> I see just in in the fight for the right reasons, you know, because you see it's well, the, the right thing and people need it. It's yeah, not about I, you; it's about everybody else. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, I think that's the reason I'm doing it. Is it's I can see it's a good medicine, and it should be a good medicine that's available to those that need it, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm fighting for, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Have you got anything coming up with like discussions with the government or anything like that? To yeah. Try well, and push this forward. We're doing uh, through a consultant, Hannah and I have run Maple Tree Consultancy thing and Cannabis Industry Council are supporting a lobby project. We've, we've produced a document a year ago now called 10 Recommendations for Government. And we're pushing that. I won't go through all 10 because I probably can't remember them. But that's in hemp. Hemp as well, because mm-hmm. there's some craziness in the hemp industry. You know, you have to, in the UK, if you have industrial hemp license, you have to burn the flowers in the fields because they won't let you um, extract or use the, 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 the high CBD flowers. So all the CBD we see in the shops is imported, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the lower, the, we need to increase the level of THC available. For 0.2% is, is far too low to be sensible. Um, we need to relook at novel foods, which I think is a, a scandal. Um, so there's some hemp recommendations. Then on the medical side, we want GPs to prescribe, which I've said already, we want NICE to look at cannabis as a botanical product, not as a pharmaceutical product. Mm-hmm. So we need a, a, either NICE to do that or a new NICE, a botanical NICE, um, to look at that properly. And there's other things that sound a bit boring, but actually quite important, like getting rid of the proceeds of Crime Act for cannabis, because mm-hmm. that stops investment. And if you've got any new industry, and I know some people don't want it to be an industry, I accept the, that point, but you know, any new industry needs investment and you mm-hmm. can't invest. Um, if, you've, if a company that's made any money from a recreational market, which of course is the States and Canada particularly, can't invest in the UK under the Proceeds of Crime Act. That's a silly thing that stops the investment in the industry. Mm-hmm. And we do need investment in the industry if we want it to grow as an industry. For sure. So there's a recent case here in the UK where a guy was growing cannabis. He had 30 plants. He had one kilogram yeah. of cannabis. He was yeah. making oils and passing them out to people who were suffering from cancer. And yes. he was taken to court. And yeah. he was just given six months community order. Yeah, I mean, that was a very sensible. I mean, I don't think he should be taken to court at all, but that's mm-hmm. it. But nevertheless, in fairness, he did break the existing law. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a very sensible judge or magistrate, Indeed. whoever it was, Indeed. who said, you know, come on, this is silly. You've been here and um, six months community order is all I'm going to give you. I mean, he, yeah. he could have gone to prison for 14 years. Yeah, 15 year sentence. He could. Have been. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's some sense creeping into some circles and some police forces, mm-hmm. as you know, and. Durham is where I live, near near where I live, cool. of this policy um, of not prosecuting for personal possession. Mm-hmm. And I think that's six police areas around the country, is it? Do you might know? I think it's not too four. sure. Yeah. It's five or six. Um, but then next door in Northumberland, where I actually do live, they have, you know, the policy of prosecuting for personal possession. So it depends where you live. So we... Mm. The government needs to get this right. They, they, you know, it's all higgledy piggledy. It's all a, a complete mess at the moment. Especially when we've seen countries uh, like Canada and lots of states in the United States when they've made so much progress and the sky hasn't fallen. Well, exactly. You know, yeah, it's um, a lot of people benefiting from a good quality medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, the government, the last person to advocate government making money, but I think I, on balance, I'd rather the government made money from tax rather than the criminal criminal market make money, Indeed. Yeah. probably. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as you say, the sky hasn't fallen in, and they're not as though they're, I mean, the British, British are a bit sort of anti-foreign, aren't we, to be honest? <laughs> Sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, well, that's in America. They don't count on it's in Canada. I mean, we've, we hear that's that. Right. I mean, Hannah maybe told you the story of um, her son, Alfie, uh, got his first prescription in Holland. And mm-hmm. produced a very good report from the Dutch doctor who took it to a British doctor who said, who threw it back at her across the table and said, Well, she's Dutch, isn't she? Wow. I mean, <laughs> you know, God, really? Then, mm-hmm. you know, this is a. We made the joke of this all what the can time you say? because we have, uh, we have numerous panels, panel members from all around the world, yeah. and there'll be studies done but that show us certain things about the medicinal yeah. properties of cannabis. And they'll be like, Yeah, but it's not good enough for the UK. We have to do yeah, our it's own crazy. studies. 
And what's crazy and nice when they produced their evidence base, they they said, believe it or not, we've looked at English the English language publications. So that's a you know German, Spanish, Italian publications they didn't even bother to look at because they're in German, Spanish, or Italian. And that how arrogant is that? Mm. So you know, I'm sorry to say the British medical establishment is incredibly arrogant as a mm. body. Do you think that's anyway. just for cannabis or for other things as well? Oh no, that's generally generally. <laughs> British medicine is, is incredibly deeply conservative, sadly. Yeah. I mean, it's true in other countries. I know in Canada they struggle to get the medical profession behind this, and I'm sure your experience in the States um, was the same from, from many of the hierarchy medical bodies. Oh, yeah. Very against it at first, if not still. Well, in, yeah. in my home state that I live in, it, it is a medical state, and we do yeah. have laws that regular physicians can prescribe. But I'll tell you exactly what yeah. you said is that if I ask my regular physician about cannabis, the answer is I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. Go away and yeah. get it somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's a stigma with a lot of doctors where I live that yeah. if, if you prescribe it, you're doing something naughty. Yeah, there's still that. It's a little bit anti-establishment, a little bit hippie, isn't it? A little bit, yeah, yeah. A little bit wacky, backy sort of image still, <laughs> um, you know, which is sad. Um, for, for the medical side, I mean, that's mm. just nonsense, really. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of these transitions which we've all got to make. Well, when cannabis was first being uh, no, advertised as a medicine, yeah. I, I was skeptical of it as well. I was like, nah, this isn't, this doesn't make any sense. It's not a medicine. People just want to get high. And then when you actually do some research into it and see that it does have lots of medicinal value, and you, know, you yeah. change your mind, but there's still many people out there who haven't done that research and still think that it's just people bullshitting to try and get cannabis. Yeah, 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 exactly. And just just spend, if you really want to make those criticisms, spend half an hour on the internet looking at the evidence yourself. Mm-hmm. Because it's there. In half an hour, you could convince yourself there's a, there's a huge amount of evidence. So usually people don't want to do this research unless it's no, affecting it's, them directly. No, and it will, it will, it will burst their prejudice and... Thing I've learned on social media, on Twitter, for example, if people made their minds up, don't bother to change them because they're they're set in their ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've I've learned that at least, having been criticised endlessly on social media, uh, that um, don't bother to reply because you're wasting your time. Yeah, post and ghost is the saying. Post is and it? ghost. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you say oh, that as well. Hannah Deacon had the same issues. Yeah. All of these ladies had the same issues to get problems from people who want cannabis legalized for recreational use. And they say yeah. that these guys are doing something wrong. And it's, it's an absolute farce, man, how, how divided the community mm. can be over these, these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And the community and as somebody said governments love lobby groups that are divided. Um, you know, so we do need we all basically want the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, that's why I formed the Cannabis Industry Council. Uh, was a was an idea just to get the industry bodies, and it's a trade body, if you like. It's got to be a company. It's not personal people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have all sorts of wide range of people from the big multi-billion pound Canadian companies to um, lobby groups like We the Undersigned mm-hmm. and CEDAR Future, their parliamentary groups, patient groups. Well, Phil um, Mike just... said hi, by the way. Billy is supposed oh, to be great. Phil oh, good. Hi. <laughs> hi, Phil. That's good. So, I mean, I... I some of those people are probably wildly different in the way they want to do things and the way they want to see it develop. But well, I think most people in that group think, well, we all want the same end result. Mm-hmm. Let's try and work together with a single voice. Now, I'm, mm-hmm. I may be hopelessly naive, but it does seem to have worked so far. I mean, just as naive as me. Don't worry. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm on the same perspective there. We should all be working together for the same goal. And I think the yeah. most important thing is, forget about the recreational thing right now. That's just recreational we need to get the the medicine these people need safely to them you know i don't i don't like this uh the the process that they have to go to to get this essentially harmless medication no you're absolutely right it's um it will change it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when Mm -hmm. you you think it's coming soon uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Cole Sager boy think, was coming that, soon in the seventies. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's a trap and a half. I, I think. It, I think. Um, I don't think we'll see much change under the present government. Right. In fairness to the present government, they were the government that changed the law. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, it was Sajid Javid, who was the Home Secretary at the time, that changed the law, and now he's Health Secretary. Um, you know, he's not really putting himself out to 
to move it forward, which is a shame. Mm. Mm. So I think there's a limit to how we get on with the, with the present government. I think the best government for cannabis, and whatever you think of it from all the other aspects of governments, is, is probably a coalition government between Labour, Green, SNP and uh, Lib Dems. Because mm. um, the, the Lib Dems, Green and, and SNP to a large extent are very much more pro-cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, like they did in Germany. I, mean, it was, I don't know the detail, but it was a German coalition. One of the coalition partners said, we'll join this coalition if you make cannabis legal. Uh, so that, that's what's going to happen in Germany, I think, this year or early next year. Yeah, it's coming soon. It's, it's coming soon. And uh, I think that's really important for Europe. If a big economy Absolutely. like Germany goes legal, then I think it's only a matter of time when others will follow. And it's going to be good as well. Yeah. yeah Germans are good with their whole engineering. It's world-class yeah, engineering I think for Germany. They should do it well. I'm sure they do it efficiently, et cetera, et cetera. But, mm-hmm. you know, so let's see what happens. Don't, let's not wait here to see what happens. I don't mean that. But mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how Germany develops over the next 12 months. Yeah. I'm just hoping there's going to be change in the UK soon. And I, I think that, yeah. that recent case, which I said earlier with the guy with the 30 plants, yeah. uh, that sets a massive precedent for people. You know, it, it does. It, it does. And those people shouldn't be prosecuted. But to not prosecute, we've got to change the law. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then at least you have sensible judges that say, come on, this was not necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need the police forces to, to, you know, to not turn a, I suppose they have to turn a blind eye because it's not legal in the moment. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just all, it depends on which policeman knocks on your door, doesn't it? And that's not really right either. And maybe it depends on how you are with the police as well. You have Absolutely. To be... there's, there's, it, takes, it takes whatever the phrase is, two to tango. And, uh, you know, people overtly smoking uh, in a pub, perhaps annoying the other pub, the, the, mm-hmm. the drinkers in the pub, all because it's legal. I think, you know, I understand that. It's making a point, but is it making a, is it helping the general cause? Mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm. not. Now, that's probably controversial. That's People right. have a legal prescription, you should do it anywhere. But just, just be a little bit um, aware yeah. of others around you and don't make a big deal about it. And, you know, well, just be courteous of other, others. You well, know, it's, yeah. Try not to get in other people's way. That's what we tend to do as yeah, British people, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. I don't care what people do as, as, as long as they don't interfere with others' freedom to do what they want to do. And uh, so there you go. <laughs> we do have another question here from one of the listeners, Backblast. He yeah. says, I suffer yes. from ADHD. Cannabis helps me. Yes. Have you ever heard of anyone prescribing cannabis for ADHD? Yes. A study in Israel um, which looked at both uh, ADHD and a separate one on autism, as it happens. Um, not the same thing, I know, but uh, there is evidence now that it can help ADHD in in some people. Again, not everybody. You wouldn't expect it to, but it can help some of the symptoms of ADHD, yes. And I know in some of the 17,000 prescribed in the UK, some are ADHD hmm. uh, as well. So the answer is yes, worth a try. If you've tried other things, the, the general, and it's not actually a, um, a law or a regulation, but the general view in the clinic is try two licensed medicines for your condition, mm-hmm. whatever that is, say pain, try two licensed painkillers. If they haven't worked, then try cannabis as a, as a minimum. And most clinics will insist you try two licensed medications, um, uh, rightly or wrongly. That's what I mean, they say. It's crazy that that rule's in place. You know, try yeah. these, but don't take any more than 10 of them at once because uh, that will uh, kill you. But, <laughs> but and, yes. and then we'll move on to cannabis if they don't work. It's yeah, absolutely... yeah, yeah. It is. It is crazy. Isn't I mean, it? maybe I'm just biased to think that cannabis should be the first one they try. But that's just me. It's... Yeah. No. It's. Um, I can see the logic of if there's a licensed medicine, try licensed medicine first. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose I can see that, but in many cases you know that those licensed medicines aren't going to do any good mm-hmm. you still got to go through that um hoop uh, before you can try cannabis generally speaking i think it was hannah who told us that after you've tried two medicines if the two medicines don't work then there's a massive percentage that the the rest oh, yeah. are not going to work for you either oh uh, yeah and epilepsy absolutely true mm-hmm. um once you've tried two the third the, the third one it takes about a three percent chance of helping the fourth one onwards is less than 1% chance. And some of these children have tried a dozen or more anticonvulsants, and they're on four or five or six together, um, of which there's no evidence. So, yeah, try one, fine. Try two, less chance for it might help. Try even try three. But four onwards, you're snuggly wasting your time, basically. Yep. Yeah. It's such a shame. 
Yeah. You must have seen a lot uh, during your time with uh, working with cannabis. You must have seen a lot of people benefit from using it. Yes. Yeah, I don't prescribe anymore. I thought I better my time was better spent focusing on media and, and lobbying and that sort of stuff. And so I'm, did you used to work as a GP? No, I was a neurologist. So right. that's how I started working with multiple sclerosis, then brain injured people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, as I said earlier, that's how it came to, came to cannabis. So I'd never been a GP. So you, you went through medical school and all of that? Yeah, medical school, mm-hmm. a long time ago in the 70s. Became a doctor, then stayed in the hospital system, moved into neurology and became a, a, a neurologist, eventually specializing in traumatic brain brain injury, car accidents and things. Mm-hmm and rehabilitation of people with brain injuries. That's my background. So, yeah, for the last five years, it's been four or five years, it's been nothing but cannabis. I'm, I think I call myself a cannabis doctor now, which is, mm-hmm. a, which is a, it's a good way to retire. I've you know, finished, <laughs> finished my career now. Um, so uh, finishing it on something worth doing, like trying to get cannabis more widely accepted is, is I like to think is worthwhile. It's massively important. And it's amazing about the yeah. work. You're stepping outside of the comfort zone for most doctors and, you know, doing important work yeah. to make sure your patients can get the medicine they need. You know, there's not enough doctors doing that. So true. No, that's, that is sadly true. I, I, I don't understand it. I agree with it, but actually younger doctors have got their career in front of them. They've got a, they, they're scared of being vilified by their peers. I don't have that mm-hmm. problem now. My mm-hmm. career's done and I don't give a shit who, yeah. what people think about <laughs> me anymore. So, so I have the advantage of age. Um, but I think that any doctor, I think, goes into medicine, hopefully, most of them, to try and help people mm-hmm. um, and to do the best interest, as they call it, for their patient. And yet there's some who just don't do that. They do it in the best interest of themselves or their careers or their hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or whatever and uh, that sort of doctor i really can't stand well at least there's doctors like you I mean, and there's because there's, there's um dr bonnie goldstein over yeah in some States. great great doctor evan lewis in toronto mm-hmm. peter or, uh, yeah exactly I've, I've i know those guys um and just bear in mind 100 110 doctors in the uk who are stepping out their comfort zone um, particularly those who started early over two years ago now there was so few of them and they were told don't be silly or ruining your career and all that, but they carried on doing the right thing and you know great credit to them mm-hmm. uh, so those who stepped out of the box we need more of them indeed and mm-hmm. i think you're encouraging more and more people to do it so you know a massive amount of respect to you for the work you've done so far and will thank continue you. to do as well it's it's very impressive thank you we, we need more guys like you standing up for us well that's very kind of you <laughs> i'll keep trying i'm going to try and keep going until it's available in the nhs then finally i can retire mm-hmm. so i'm at this rate i might be retired when i'm about 97 or something do you sit yourself a kind of trophy for for that you know i, know, I, I definitely need a trophy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> achievement unlocked yeah yes <laughs> an, an emerald cup or something that's what I, oh, yeah. I really don't think it's far away i think once the government yeah. have I don't know, taking some time because they're very busy with lots of different things right now. So I think well, they do, the, but yeah. you know, they they don't spend enough time on what is important. They spend too much time on the silliness of politics, like Partygate and all that stuff, mm-hmm. which is bad enough. But you know, there are proper policies and proper things to do out there. That's it. But anyway, just worrying about lots of different things. <laughs> yes. <And> Billy Bonds <laughs> has a question here too. Do you think many universities would? Uh, would do cannabis cultivation courses when regulation is in place? I hope so. And, I, um, you know, from the States, there's a lot of good quality higher education courses in the States, isn't there? I've, I'm doing the Ganji course at the moment. Oh, you're doing the Ganji uh, course, are you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. great. It's great. I'm really enjoying it. I'd like to get over to California to finish the, the practical side, but we couldn't because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get back to that. But there's, like, there's the... Um, university or what's it called there's a cannabis university basically isn't it so uh, i would oaksterdam is it oaksterdam that's it yeah. thank you yeah there's a lot of those courses and i would love to see um proper courses in the uk for for growers for extractors and of course for doctors as well to mm-hmm. to know what to prescribe um there's so much it's such a fascinating subject isn't it from there's so much to do and understand and be known mm-hmm. about it and so we don't know minor cannabinoids and terpenes we know relatively little about 
Mm-hmm. So much to know and find out about. It's really an exciting field. So I'd love to see more higher education programs set up. So would you consider growing your own when it becomes legalized properly in the UK as well? Me personally? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. Probably not, only in the sense that I've, I've never used it recreation and i don't need to use it for medical purposes so <laughs> and i'm crap at gardening so i think probably i've if i'm the last person who will do that probably <laughs> it's a great hobby we do enjoy it. it's a great hobby yeah, yeah i can see i can see i can see gardening as hobby is great i can see growing a plant that produces a medicine for you is also fascinating and mm-hmm. uh, really really rewarding i can see it probably would i do it probably not because i don't have a reason to that's the yeah, only reason yeah. Yeah. What about other medicines? Because there's places in the states now that are moving towards using mushrooms, psilocybin for depression and yeah, post-traumatic stress. What's your opinion on yeah, that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that much about them. But drug science that I work with, drug science, the T21 program, they're very much into psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little I've known about it from just working with those guys, I think it's really exciting and really interesting. And again, it comes back to the fact that we shouldn't forget that medicine as a whole up to the 1930s, was all botanical, mm-hmm. including you know, including mushrooms and botanicals. Um, and it's only the pharmaceutical industry has only been pushed into this field for less than 100 years. And uh, I think we need it. The pendulum swung too far. You know, people now say there's no medicine, good medicine, unless it's a pharmaceutical, which is utter nonsense. And a lot of pharmaceuticals are based on plants anyway. So let's get back to looking at properly at plant medicines. I'm not going to say forget pharmaceuticals. They've done a mm-hmm. massive amount of good in this world. But, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let, let's let get this pendulum to swing back a little bit to valuing plants and other natural products like mushrooms as, as a proper valuable medicine. And that's crazy what you just said there. I've never heard it put across in that way before. Up until the 1930s, most medicines were yeah. botanicals. They were all wow. botanicals. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 wow. How did the game change so much and so quickly? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think people, well, science developed, so people realized they could make these products from plants initially and mm-hmm. synthesize them. And then, of course, the, the chemists got hold of it. And then people realized, to be blunt, people realized you could patent these things and make money from them. And what fundamentally um, pushes the pharmaceutical industry forward is money. Mm-hmm. Always. That's, that's the society we live in, sadly. Yeah. And, um, you know, it is, and there's no money to be made. You can't, you can't patent a plant. Um, some people are trying to patent the components of the plant, uh, but you can't really patent the plant. Uh, so, you know, the pharmaceutical industry has never been that interested in cannabis or other plants uh, because there's, there's no money in it from, basically. It seems to be our stance as, as well, because I mean, yeah. we keep saying that the pharmaceutical company doesn't want cannabis legal because I can grow my own. Exactly. I mean, it's just that simple. I yeah. don't have to go to them to get my medicine. And they'll lose money. We shouldn't forget that when cannabis is introduced medically, there's about 25% less opioids prescribed, 25% less anxiety drugs, and 25% wow. off your bottom line is a lot, let alone mm-hmm. uh, less alcohol consumed mm-hmm. and less cigarettes smoked. So big Pharma, big tobacco and big alcohol are very much against all this, and they're big, powerful lobbying groups, and we shouldn't mm-hmm. forget that. Rich mm-hmm. groups and money they're does a lot. Groups. I'm afraid it does. Yeah, right. Wow, yes. man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like we've just all been robbed. It's <laughs> <Yes>. just, <laughs> just so crooked. And 25% as well of all of them different drugs, that's billions and billions. Well, it is. Of pounds. Yeah. You know, and they've chopped that off your bottom line, and no wonder you're against cannabis. You can see it from a, purely from a capitalist shareholder's point of view. You can understand it. I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. You can understand it. No wonder they're against it. Wow, yeah. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that is definitely a big part of the problem, is the amount of money the other drugs make yes. and how much money they'd lose when cannabis is finally legalized. But I do I'm see that there's it. no doubt we are going to be heading in that direction soon enough it has to happen there's too much call it out has happened it will happen mm-hmm. and it's a and it should be it's um it's a bit of a cliche but people power i mean you know those seventeen thousand, just those seventeen thousand prescribed let alone those who have grown it themselves um they go back to their gp they go back to their consultants so i'm on this now you didn't like me to do it but i'm doing it and it's really made me better and there are some doctors who will listen to that and think maybe i was wrong you know mm-hmm. a lot will say 
it's still rubbish and it's all placebo effect mm-hmm. and you're balmy. Uh, but, you know, if we just get 5% of those doctors listening and learning, then, you know, they will change their mind. And so the more people we can get prescribed and go back to their doctors, the better. And uh, it's, it will be a, it's, sorry if it's a cliche, but it's a bit of a people's movement. This, is, mm-hmm. this has been introduced by pressure on the media from those like Hannah and mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't been introduced on any academic or scientific basis. It's pure media pressure. And the more media pressure we apply, the better. They've done such mm-hmm. a good job, all these uh, medical cannabis moms, I call them. Yeah, they've yeah. done a great, a great job. And they've done so much, not just for their children, but for other children and mm-hmm. for adults. Mm-hmm. You know, if it wasn't for Hannah and, and those around her, that uh, yeah, we wouldn't be where we are today. So we... If anyone needs that medal you were talking about, it's Anna, not me. For sure, for sure. <laughs> she she does deserve it, man. She's done so much. I don't even think she realizes it either. She's still no. fighting so hard. She she's just she hasn't locked up to see what she's achieved yet. She's still I on that right. fight, you know. One yeah. day she'll look back and realize the amount of things she's done for the cannabis, uh, yeah. The, the yeah, community in general. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're it's right. Crazy man. One day, hopefully, she'll understand what she's done. I for hope her. so. Yeah, yeah, good. But how would you recommend any of our listeners? Would you recommend any of them go to their doctors and tell their doctor that they use cannabis for medicine? I think so, yeah. And, okay, some will do that and they'll get ridiculed. Mm-hmm. But I think anyone who's using it, legally or illegally, should go to their doctor and say, look, I'm using this. It's really helping me. Um, and I want you to prescribe it because it's legal for you to prescribe it or legal to you to refer me to a clinic to prescribe it. And don't say no for an answer. Mm. You know, it's, I know that's easier said than done because doctors can be an arrogant, difficult bunch. Uh, but you know, keep pestering. Mm. Make a nuisance of yourself. <laughs> Go and pester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, that's my, how you get things changed, right? Well, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, my, I'll give you, I don't know why I'm giving this example, but my, my sister was, um, had a learning disability when the, many, many years in the 60s when there was no respite care. And there was no respite at all. So she went and sat in the mayor's office in Walthamstow, where I was living at the time, and said, I'm not leaving this office till you provide respite for my daughter. And he did. That got in the paper, much embarrassment of a 14-year-old boy um, in front page of the paper for being my mother. But that's the sort of people power that I think we need. We need to go in. I'm not suggesting, well, why don't, why don't we suggest it? Go to the GP surgery and say, I'm sitting here till you prescribe this for me. Mm. <laughs> Be, uh, don't tell Billy to do that. <laughs> He's probably already on his way. <laughs> so that's a great idea. Billy Bonds is like he's a very strong go. activist. Yeah, he's a good cool. guy, man. Do it. You know, it's yeah. it's time people realise that they're preventing people getting a medicine that's really good for their condition. Mm-hmm. And it's time. Pester power. Nice people think. Pester, pester, pester. <laughs> sit in. Take sandwiches with you so you can sit there. They lock up and they come back the next morning. They're still there. <laughs> well, yeah. speaking to Dr. Grinspoon, he encouraged okay. me uh, to uh, go and talk to my doctor, tell him, basically tell him that I'm using cannabis. He says, my doctor yeah. needs to know. And he, he reminded yeah. me that in the States, at least, it's yeah. against the law for the doctor to do anything about it. He can take, he or she can take the information, but it's, it's personal medical information. And I have yeah. to say, I've done this with every doctor I've gone to so far, and they've all accepted it. But, but the funniest thing is now, if I, if I have a painful condition, they never, ever offer me any pain medication at all anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're using, you're using cannabis. Okay. That's fine. That's yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it does work. Uh, the doctors will listen to you. They but will. I have to say that I got, a, I got a few funny looks, you know, you will. And many doctors will be antagonists to it, but we just, it will break down doctor by doctor, mm-hmm. you know, say five, even five to 10% of reasonable sensible people who will listen to this and five to ten percent is uh is three thousand six hundred doctors and you don't need many more than that to be willing to prescribe you don't need every doctor prescribe it's not appropriate anyway you can't get the heart surgeon doesn't want to prescribe cannabis Mm -hmm. so but you know let's get the doctors who could prescribe that's most of the gp community prescribing and let's if there's a practice of 10 gps you only really need to be one who's the cannabis expert like in a big GP practice at the moment, there's usually one who's the neurology expert, one who's the elderly expert, one who's the child expert. Mm-hmm. They sort of specialize in their little groups now. They're, you know, all we need is one out of 10 GPs to be the cannabis expert. Go and see, go and see my mate around the corner. 
and uh, he'll he'll sort it out for you. But I wholly agree with your attitude, though, is that yeah, go tell your doctor and tell him you want this stuff, because that's what you got to yeah. do. You got to get Don't, it on the plate there. You got to get it out in the open. Yeah. Even bring your papers to support it. And they're available. We, we, they're easily obtained, like the epilepsy papers. They're publicly available. I know not everyone can do that, but mm-hmm. you know, if you don't think it works, here's three academic papers that show you it does. Give it mm-hmm. to them, spoon feed them. So you know, that's what I would do. <laughs> Billy Bonds asks here, and Billy Bonds he has a son who suffers with intractable, intractable epilepsy and autism. Yes, uh, he asks, how do you get a fourteen-year-old THC for epilepsy in the UK? Um, you uh, that is very difficult because the, mm. the the situation for children is dire. Um, there is at the moment two um, people prescribing for children in the whole of the UK. Wow, for epilepsy. Um, that's due to pressure from the British Pediatric Neurology Association. Who there was one doctor that I trained who was very good at prescribing. He was complained about to the General Medical Council in the UK by the British Pediatric Neurology Association for prescribing. Now they lost that case and he's carrying on prescribing and great, good, good. great credit to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of doctors who won't go against that organization. That's any pediatric neurologist and you need a pediatric neurologist to prescribe for epilepsy usually. Um, if, if their peer body says, don't do it or we'll complain about you, most don't. So it's not easy, but there is one pediatric neurologist who's closed his books at the moment. The other one is prescribing. We're hopefully getting a new one to start in about four weeks. Um, so once that started, if he drops me a note, I'll tell him where to go for that. I better not say yet because the poor doctor before he's even started will be inundated otherwise. <laughs> yeah. um, he, he will disappear over the horizon. 26,000 referrals in the first fortnight. Um, so, but yeah, it's not easy for a child. It's very, very, very difficult. I'm sorry sure. to say, and that is a great, it's a great shame. And we're trying to, um, to push that. We're trying to open a sort of front end marketing. So we can say, if you want a child to be referred, come through this website, which we won't charge for, and we'll put you in touch with a few doctors that there are. That's not yet launched, but it will launch in the next couple of months. Awesome. So if we, I'm very happy for people to have my email and just keep in touch. And I'll let you know when that's happened and put you in touch with the websites and things. The email, I can give it out if I... If you like it, it's completely up to you. Yeah, it's fine. It's M, M for Mike, dot, P for Philip, dot, Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, M dot, P dot, Barnes at btinternet.com. Awesome. How many people are listening to this? Because I don't, I don't want 26,000 emails either. No, we've only got like 30 <laughs> people listening to this oh, right sorry. now because it's the live stream. <laughs> But it will go out to a, a, That's a fine. couple I mean, of thousand people. Probably. I'm happy to answer. I can't answer. I can't. I don't prescribe now, as I said. I don't, therefore, I can't consult. Uh, but I can give point people in the right direction. That's absolutely mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. No man. problem. But you've done some great work for the cannabis community, for all the children, for all the patients who need cannabis. Man, you've done a lot of great work, and you know, thank you on behalf thank of you. all of those because we do all massively appreciate it. We need more guys like you in the fight. You know. Well, thank you. And thank you for publicizing this sort of thing on, on webinars and podcasts like this. It's great. So thank you as well. And we enjoy it. So <laughs> yeah, good. It's, good fun. it's good fun. And we need to get the word out there anyway, that this stuff is harmless. You do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's do that. The more you do that, the better. So great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Just hope we can get good advice to people and help them push everything in the right direction. Because it's a community thing. Yeah. We all have to get involved yeah. and do what we all can to push this thing forward. Yep, exactly. It's not exactly an any one that. individual. No, it's not. Let's, let's all do it together. Yeah. So, Good. yeah, we should leave you to go and do your thing because I understand you must be a very busy guy with everything that you do. That's all right. Yeah. I've <laughs> finished today and I'm going to have a drink. Nice, nice. <laughs> Enjoy, man. Enjoy. Okay. So, yes, sir. Cheers. Thank you very much, Mike. You have a Thank good day. Thank you very much. Nice. Appreciate your time, Cheers. sir. Not at yes, all. Bye bye for now. Goodbye. there we go that was professor mike barnes you can find mike barnes on many websites of course you can find it on twitter uh just search for at mike barnes 29 and you'll find him over there on twitter if you wanted to get in contact with him you can also find him on drugscience.org.uk or on linkedin as well so he's on many websites and he's a very very cool guy i hope we can get him back on the show again in the future he's doing some good work with hannah deacon right now trying to get some dispensaries opened up for those who 
who need cannabis for medicine in the UK. So he's always doing good work for the cannabis community. And we thank him on behalf of everybody in the cannabis community for the work that he has done and will do in the future. So a massive pleasure to speak to him. I enjoyed that interview and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you have any recommendations for guests that you would like us to interview and get on the show, then head over to percysquadroom.com, send me a message or send Monkey a message or even Bubblehawk, you can send him a message too. And we'll be able to go and find out if we can get these people on the show. We're always happy to hear from you guys to let us know who you want to hear from. So head over to Percy's or email us at highandhomegrown at gmail.com and we'll organize something. But for now, that's it for this week. That's uh, the interview. We'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides, which is all about the dreaded bud rot. We'll see you then on Friday. Thanks for downloading, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>